almighty. Whoo, man, y'all, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord with y'all. Y'all don't even know the last two weeks. Um, so on January, uh, December 31st, I tested positive for COVID, but I also tested positive for faith in that, that I was believing I was never at a, in a dangerous spot where it's like, oh no, this is going to take me out. It was a thing where, oh no, I felt real hot and um, it definitely kind of felt like the flu for a few days. And so um, it was one of those things that um, I was like, hey, this is not the way I want to start out New Year's. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. And so on January 1st, it really started kicking in. And uh, I never, like I said, it was one of those things where I experienced like a bad flu and uh, the, the worst thing about it, y'all, just to be honest, to be a little comical about it, is um, so I've, this is my first bout with it, and uh, because I'm an immunocompromised, I had a kidney transplant 18 years ago, and people go, oh, you've got a compromised immune system. I'm like, no, I've got a very powerful Jesus and the Holy Spirit are my immune system, and so I don't go around worried about that. But the one thing I was hoping that could have happened, I've had many people that have shared that have had COVID, it messes with their smell and their taste buds. Anybody experience that? Anybody in here? Okay, y'all have had that? That didn't happen. And I was kind of a little upset going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm like, man, I could have used that. I didn't have to smell the food. I didn't have to, man, my taste buds would be like, yeah, it's all bland anyway. I don't care. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's good. But no, now I can still, I never lost that. Now I did clog up some stuff up here for a few days and a little while. But, uh, but yeah, the last two weeks I've been just um, watching online. I've been experienced, I was in my house watching, and I want to say to all of you right there right now, I was right there with you, and I want to tell you, it ain't the same as being in the house, that's all I got to say. I enjoyed it, and I'm so glad, thankful for Taylor Dowdy and his team. Y'all give it up for Taylor and the AV team. Woo! I was loving them, like I got to be, I got to at least experience that part of it. And by the way, if you want to be a part of that, I'm sure, Taylor, if you've got any inclination towards technology, they would be glad to help train you in that. It's a great way to get involved and get plugged in. I encourage you to, uh, to come be a part with that. <laughs> He's right. Come on, y'all. So anyhow, um, and it was great. One of the joys that I had, too, was watching our, our executive pastor break it out on January 1st about prayer. I was like, that's my boy, man. Even though my head's all clogged up, my heart was full as well. And then breaking out on prayer and, and then going into fasting. And he did such a great job on fasting last week. And as he was going through, I was starting checking off in my life. Oh, yeah, I did that one wrong. Oh, oh yeah, I did that one too. <laughs> About trying to go, oh, you know, get excited. And I'm going to go 10 days with just water. About the third day, I was going... Hold it. Now, what day is it? It's got to be close to 10. It's like, no, it was three. And I was like, okay, three was good enough. Thank you, Jesus. We'll stop right there. Anyhow, fasting has been a part and it's supposed to be a part of our everyday life. Prayer is supposed to be a part of our everyday life. And I want to say this. It's, we're not just wanting to teach people about prayer. We're wanting people to pray more. I don't want you to just learn more about prayer. I want you to pray more. <laughs> I don't want you to just learn about fasting. 
I want you to, to know what it is to deny yourself and to disconnect from this world that tells us what we got to have and ha what we need to be successful and what we need to feel good. And I'm telling you, when you start denying yourself and you disconnect from this world and you reconnect with God through prayer, man, things happen inside. The heart begins to build. The faith begins to come. I don't think it's by accident that laying hands on Connie and others at this time, when I feel probably one of my worst, like, okay, just coming out of COVID and going, now I'm not going to eat. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to die some more. But it said in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And so as we continue on this journey, I want to encourage you. Come on, y'all. Keep on. Keep come. If you haven't locked in yet to prayer and fasting, we meet here at 7 o'clock uh, on the weekdays. And I do know that if you stay through the whole time, because we have an academy, you have an academy. Uh, this is a part of us. It's all part of the ministry. It's going to be a little difficult getting out at 8 o'clock. I'm going to go ahead and tell you because there's a lot of traffic because the academy's growing. Praise the Lord. That's a good thing. And so I don't mind the traffic, but if you want to come, if you got... 10, 15 minutes. So I love it. This past week, we had one of the teachers said, I got 15 minutes. She comes in, does a little worship, gets her encouragement. Then she had to head out to class. So whatever time we can get together, if you can be here, I encourage you. We also have prayer on Monday nights, on Tuesday nights. And we're praying as to, Lord, prayer has to be a paramount thing in our lives and in this church. Jesus, it was a part of his life. And so with prayer, I want you to think of it. I want, I want to take you on a different thing. Prayer, many times, this is how we see it. We see it as somehow as if we're inviting God into our situation. Like I've got sickness or I've got some kind of disease going on or I've got some kind of stress happening, whether it's financial, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, there's something not operating correctly. And prayer, we think it's almost like I'm inviting God to come into to this situation. Like, hey, God, you see this? And as I was praying about this for the last two weeks with my head all clogged up, my heart was still wide open. And this is what God began to speak to me. Like, we're going to tell an all-knowing God what's going on. <laughs> like, hey, God, I don't know if you know it or not, <laughs> but there's something going on here, <laughs> and I need you to just go ahead and come on. <laughs> And I think if we're not careful, we, we think, hey, he's unaware. Or somehow he doesn't understand. And I want to say this, prayer is not us inviting God into the situation. It's God inviting us into his realm, into what he does and who he is. So that he goes, hey, I'm aware of that. But hey, there's some things I want to share and some things I want to do in your life. And, and how do I get that? Where do I get that? That's in Genesis chapter 3. At the very beginning, before, I mean, man is walking and talking with God in the cool of the day. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what that was like for Adam and Eve. But I got to tell you, that's one of the coolest thoughts I have in my brain when I read scripture. Like, they're just walking and here's God walking and talking with them. And you know, how do I know that? Because in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8, it says, uh, verse 8, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And then the scariest part in the Bible to me where it says, and they hid themselves 
from the Lord God among the trees in, of the garden. So here, now just to give you a, a small little backstory, they were in perfect harmony, perfect relationship with God, and the serpent came and deceived them and said, hey, you know, did God really say? Got them to question God's voice. Got them to question God's authority. Did God really say you're not supposed to eat of that tree? And, of course, Eve said, yeah. And so they, they ended up, he convinced them that they were missing something, that they need this in order to be fulfilled. He does the same thing to us today. He wants to convince us that, hey, if you got this, I mean, that's good, but if you got this, you'd really be fulfilled. And so they took the bait, they bit, and they had literally, they caused man to crumble. All of mankind, that's where sin entered the world. And they just done the biggest boneheaded thing like, oh no. And so when they hear God walking, coming to be, come to be with them, they're hiding. I wonder how many of us in this auditorium and watching online, when we've messed up, when we've done something we weren't supposed to, we, we, we did something, we said something, instead of running to God, we run away from him and we go hide like maybe he won't see us. Out of the billions of people on the world, in the world, surely he wouldn't notice me. He notices everything. And look what God did. This is how I say God invites us into the conversation. Because it wasn't Adam and Eve that went and said, hey, God, help. I need help. Who was it? In verse 9, it says, but. So they were hiding from him. But look what God did. But. Yes, they're over here, afraid, fearful, scared of what they've done, thinking they're fixing to get beaten. Let me take you back to a time in your life when you used to mess up when you were younger and you would go hide from mom and dad. <laughs> y'all probably never messed up. Okay, y'all were always perfect children. Y'all didn't learn by the, like I did, by, hey, trial and error. I always learn best. I couldn't watch my brother and sister do it. I'm like, no, let me show y'all how to do this. And so anyhow, they're hiding and God says, but the Lord God called to the man. He initiated the conversation. He didn't wait for them to come back. He called out to them, where are you? And I believe still today, God still does that today. Our prayer time is not us calling God in. God's calling us into like, hey, well, hey, I'm glad you did. Hey, <laughs> this has got you stirred up enough to where you want to talk. How are you? Where are you? And he invites us into this conversation continually. And so as we look at this, I just thought, man, we have got this so mixed up and messed up that somehow I've got to muster up this faith. I've got to muster up something instead of I just got to walk and talk and have conversation with my heavenly father that continually woos me and wants me to be there with him. You know, I, I think of, of, uh, of how all through the Old Testament, if you look at what it was, the children of Israel, and it's a, it's a history. If you look at the Old Testament, it's God's faithfulness to a group of people where Abraham said, hey, I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And all these nations that will be blessed for you. They're going to know that I'm real because of you watch them. You watch me. I'm going to be faithful to you. And he's still faithful to them today, the, the nation of Israel. And so you look at that thing. They would get mixed up. They would get messed up. They would look at the people around them and they're like, that looks pretty cool. 
I think I'll try that. And so they begin to worship other gods. And they begin to look around and say, oh, I, I want to try that. And they would, they would move. They would move away from God instead of listening to him and staying, stay connected to him. They'd begin to connect with the things around them. And then God said, hey, when their life got so bad, they go, remember me? Hey, remember me? I've got some. I'm still here. I didn't go anywhere. You left. I didn't go anywhere. And still today, he hasn't gone anywhere. And he continually calls us into this relationship, this conversation where we walk it out with him together, where he is fully aware and engaged with what I have going on on the inside, even when I've blown it. I love what, uh, what, uh, what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6. So all through the Old Testament, they were called and they were prayed, and there would, would be individual prayer, and then there'd be group prayer. But Paul, in Ephesians 6, where it talks about the armor of God and all these wonderful things, Paul says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Did y'all see that? All kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. In other words, I pray for you guys every day. Lord, thank you for blessing those who are here, those who are connecting. Jesus, thank you for touching their hearts, touching their minds, moving in situations, healing their bodies continually in all kinds of prayer. I love that. If you've ever thought you didn't pray so good <laughs> for you English majors so well, <laughs> some of you are like, he said good. Listen, if you've ever thought somehow your prayers aren't as powerful. Or maybe your prayers aren't as important. Or maybe they're not as eloquent. You know, let's, let's be honest. There's some people, they just feel like it just, man, that just like, wow. Some people get awestruck over the way people pray. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> but did it touch God? <laughs> Jesus even said, don't be like the Pharisees. They pray these long, elaborate prayers. <laughs> it's like, and they do this thinking, hey, by the amount of their words, God will hear them. And he said, no, it's a matter of the heart, not the amount of our words that we say. And so as we looked at this all kind of prayers, I want to look this morning because there are all kind of prayers. And uh, like I'm praying right now that I can get through this hour's worth of notes with y'all right now in a matter of, <laughs> I'm only kidding. <laughs> Seriously. But anyhow, I'm praying, Jesus, thank you for multiplying. Um, so when we talk about all types of prayers, so there's prayers of commitment, there's prayers of consecration, there's prayers of forgiveness, there's prayers of repentance, there's prayers of, of commission where we commission people to go, there's prayers of prosperity, there's all types of prayer. And this morning, going through what I've been going through and, and believing and hearing the Lord, I believe I want to I wanna land on this morning on this thing of, I want us to talk about the prayer of repentance, the prayer of repentance. And I know when I mention that word that um, that's not a real fun Bible word because <laughs> it has this word repent. And we've grown up, some have grown up with this word repent where it wasn't repent. It was like repent, you know, where it was like, wow. And you're like, you better repent. And it's like, woo. And you're like, woo. It's like easy. And so sometimes it can have a negative connotation. If we're not careful, and I believe just like with prayer, I believe the same thing, this lack of understanding of what God is calling us into and what he wants to do in and through our lives, that I believe that 
we've got to be careful that uh, somehow we don't, we don't miss what he's saying to us. And uh, especially in this thing of repenting, because I believe that repentance is not only necessary, but it's wanting. Um, and I, I think I put the wrong verse on my sheet because I, I actually studied this. It's in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. If you've got your Bibles, you can flip open there. Matthew 4, 17. It says this, after John the Baptist had gotten taken out. That's when she said, for this time on, this is after he'd been to the wilderness. He'd already been tempted in the wilderness. And he came and he preached and he let them have it. He, he literally opened up the scriptures and opened up the scrolls. And he said, now that, um, that this, is, this is where it's all been shown and demonstrated to you. And he said this, verse uh, 17, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so he wanted us to understand this thing of repentance. And I know many of us are familiar with that word, and it means to turn. It means to do a 180 degrees. It means to return. It means to turn back. It means to restore, to refresh, a redo. It means to turn away from something and turn to something. It means to change, really the one I love, it means to change our mind. And when we look at repentance, there again, we're not doing this on our own. Just like prayer is not on our own. I'm never just praying on my own. I've got the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit right here with me. I remember the story, they shared this on one of the meetings where there's a little precious old lady who, who wanted to start a prayer meeting in her church. And, uh, and the, they decided that they were going to shut the prayer meeting down. And she said, no, I pray every day. I pray every day. So she kept coming to the prayer meeting by herself, showed up. And she was the only one. And one time, one of the people in the church laughed at her and said, well, how does it feel to be the only one? She goes, I'm not the only one. I said, what? There's four of us. There's me. There's God the Father. There's God the Son. And there's God the Holy Spirit. We're all here together when we're praying. And I want to say that you're there all together. The same thing in repentance. So repentance is not me simply feeling sorry or feeling bad about the things I've done, although that can happen. But it's me partnering with God. He, I partner with God that he draws me to this place. And then he provides everything I need to do it. So it's not me just trying to go through the motions, but it's him allowing me to do that. It's not me just simply feeling disgusted. And in Luke chapter 18, Jesus, this is what's so cool. Jesus actually taught a parable about repentance. Like he, he used a parable to get their attention to go, this is what this looks like. And in Luke 18, you can turn your, turn your Bibles there. We're going to look at a few verses. 18 verses 9 through 14, it says this, Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. In other words, they had it going on like they was it. They was the church people, and they like, we got, we've got God. We got a corner on God. We know everything. And he said, I want to teach you about this. And he said, two men went to the temple to pray. So here we are, they're connecting. God's drawn them. They're going to go and, and lay their heart out before God. One was a Pharisee, a religious leader, a lawyer, one that knew the law, that taught the law. And the other was a despised tax collector. Now, I always laugh when I see that because things ain't changed in 2,000 years. 
Some of y'all get that later. Um, <laughs> a despised tax collector. <laughs> Woo, they tried to do that some more. So anyhow, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. This is what Jesus is talking. He's like, let me tell you what this looks like. And don't you know he heard that before? He didn't just make this up. He heard that. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. Hmm. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. And then he goes on to say, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. And then he goes to verse 13 and he, he tells the next one. He says, but the tax collector. So there's the Pharisee, the religious leader. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. And look what Jesus said. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Church, there's just a few things I want to run through real quickly we can glean from this simple little parable that is very real to us today. Number one, the, one of the biggest obstacles to us truly repenting for the things in our lives and the things we've done is the very thing that the religious leader did that day, and that is comparing ourselves to others. Now, I know none of you would ever do that. None of you would be driving in your fancy car and look at somebody with their beater. Well, man, I'm thankful I ain't got a rat in that. <laughs> with the smoke poured out. Maybe you've never been in one of those cars. <laughs> or maybe you forgot what that was like, you know, when your, when your rings were were worn out and every time you took off you left this big cloud of smoke and it wasn't because you were the mosquito patrol <laughs> poof you just took off and this black smoke went behind you maybe you've never been in there where you're just praying to get to the next gas station like lord please help me get there <laughs> that when you go out in the morning your prayer is lord let it crank lord let it crank Maybe you haven't done that or you forget, but this is, what this is what it's literally saying, that we can't compare ourselves to other people by what we have or what they don't have. We've got to allow ourselves. That's what it says. The Pharisee stood and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, I'm not like other people, comparing himself to other people. Now, remember, we can do this in any setting, y'all. I shunned to, I started not do this just for time's sake, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go there just because it's my story. And I always tell my story best. I don't like to use yours because I don't want to throw you under the bus. I'll throw myself under the bus, okay? Y'all get ready. The bus noise is coming. Here I go. I'm going under there. And I'm the one doing it. So, so there was a time in my life where I was really mixed up and messed up and far away from God. And I was doing my own thing, but I thought I had my thing going on. And so I was in drugs and all kind of stuff. And, and so I ended up in jail. I was working for the, uh, for the city of Jacksonville. I was doing streets and highways. Uh, I did that for a year. And I, they, they put me in this nice little pinstripe suit and put some numbers across it. And I'd get out and I'd go dig ditches and I'd clean up overpasses and I'd clean along the road. And even there, now I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself in this, you know, 50-man cell, I started looking around and said, well, at least I ain't like him. 
I'm in the same place, digging the same ditch, picking up the same stuff. And even in that place, I was like, well, (laughs) it can happen anywhere at any time. We have to stay on guard that somehow we don't promote ourselves and put ourselves above other people. God wants us to come into their life and into their situation, not to remove ourselves from their situation. And so we've got to be careful that we don't compare ourselves to others. We've got to be careful we don't condemn others. Look what he said. He went on. That Pharisees, that, I mean, it was so classic, you know, this whole thing of, hey, I'm glad I'm not like them. Cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. Man, he put it on them. Look, them old cheaters. Let me ask y'all something. Anybody here besides me ever cheated? I'm talking about yesterday. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I cheated my wife out of some extra time with my grandkids. No, I'm only kidding. We had, I did have some fun with them, but I'm like, hey, I'm going to just go in here for a minute just to get a little break from the little cry stuff. But we've got to be careful that we don't judge other people and make ourselves. We lift ourselves up and put them down in the process. And we begin to condemn the very ones Jesus wants to save. That we label people. Matter of fact, Romans 2.1 says it this way. You, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment do the same things. And the third thing, so the whole thing that can keep us from really going in this genuine repentance is one, comparing ourselves, condemning others, and then finally counting our own accomplishments. The old pat myself on the attaboy. Ooh. Can you see it in verse, I'll throw up verse 12 for you. This is what he said. This is what the Pharisees sitting there is like, hey, not only are they horrible and I'm good, but look what I do. I fast. Not once a week, twice a week, two times. Like I'm doing without. It's like, boom, look at me. And then he goes, and I give money. I give a tenth to that. And he's thinking by his own righteousness, he's going to be okay. And he's elevating himself by his accomplishments. And we've got to be careful that we don't simply do that to make ourselves feel right. Now, how do we get to this place? How do we get to this place where we're like, God, I just want this thing to be genuine. I want it to be real. I want you to, I want to experience all that you have for me. And I believe that, uh, with all my heart, that, um, that we've got to be where Paul is. Paul was a man who literally was counting his, his, his he was counting how many people he's putting in jail for thinking he's doing God a favor. And he's taking these people out that believe in Christ. And in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 9, he says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, whatever I've got, no matter how much I have in my bank account, no matter how much I don't have in my bank account, that goes both ways. Because so many people think, well, if I had more money, trust me, money's not the object. It's good to have, but it's, it's as long as it doesn't have you. And so when it says I counted those, those loss, he goes on to say, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
that knowing, that stirring, that relational, that spending time, that him inviting us into the conversation, him continually drawing me to things in my life that I need to, to lay down, the things that I've looked to that were my strength. It says, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of trusting him. And so as we walk this road, come on up, Sam. I think three things real quickly. We need to stay acutely aware of my condition. I've got to be acutely aware of my condition. That yes, I'm saved by grace, but I still have a flesh nature. I still have this sin nature that tries to pull me in different directions. I still live on a planet. I live among a people group that tells me I can do whatever I want, that the way to happiness is to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. I live among that, and I've got to be careful that I've got to stay acutely aware of that condition. I love the tax collector because he understood his condition. He was distanced. He was away from people. He didn't even feel worthy to come in a building. He separated himself. And let me say to those here and those online, we are the ones that are supposed to be welcoming people in. Lord, let it never be said at Christian Renewal Church that somebody didn't want to come to this building because somehow we made them feel less than because of things they had going on in their life. May it never be said that as I'm out there on the street that I'd look at somebody and say, yeah, there's no hope for you. There's no, mm, you know, woo, you really out there. Because that's where Jesus is, and he really wants to use us to help make a difference in their life. Isaiah 53, 6 says, for all of us, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And that's daily. Each one of us have these things, these, these habits, these hang-ups, these things that I feel like I got to have. And he says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So even when I can't feel like I can even look at God, God never takes his gaze off of you and me. Even when I feel the worst, God never stops looking. He never stops pursuing. He never goes and says, yeah, I'm done with him. He's continually pursuing us. So I also have to acknowledge my need for God's intervention. Not only do I got to be aware of my condition, I need to acknowledge my need for God's intervention. I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. Here we are two weeks into January, and I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand how many uh, New Year's resolutions they've already blown. Started out good, man, those first two days. Woo, let's go. <laughs> that third day and fourth day. And, mm, what day is it? That's right, it's 15. <laughs> We've got to be careful. That I need God's help. It's not me stopping something. It's me allowing him to start something. It's not me just turning away from something, but me turning to him and saying, God, I got to have you. I can't do this on my own. I'm not strong enough. I look to you. That's what the tax collector he did when he, when he said it. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow. He's like, God, I got to have you. Oh, God, be merciful to me for I'm a sinner. He acknowledged, I can't do this. And let me say, repentance is not a one-time thing. 
Yes, I know we've repented and we say, God, I'm sorry. And that is a relationship, but it's a continual, daily, ongoing process. It'd be like taking a bath once a year. Well, I, I, got, I bathed last year. I'm good. It'd stink, wouldn't it? You'd be like, oh, Jesus, he needs to repent. Well, that's the same thing. Spiritually, it's no different. That we don't allow him to have that way. And then finally, it's humbly accepting God's forgiveness and restoration. See, God's not wanting to make us just simply feel sorry for our sin. Matter of fact, I love what Romans 2, 4 says, or do you... Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to turning around, changing your mind, going in the direction, stop going in the direction you are, stop me, stop going in the direction I am and saying, God, I got to have you. Lord, what do you say? Lord, let me connect with you. Let me get back to your heart. Let me get back to your purpose. Let me get back to what you're saying. What we say here are four simple things we want you to do. We want you to know God and continually know him, not a one-time thing. We want you to find freedom, to experience that freedom from the things that hold us bound. To discover your purpose. Man, every one of you built, you, you were born on purpose with a purpose and he wants you to live that out. And that is the fourth thing and that is make a difference in this world and other people's lives. But it's an ongoing thing. That's what God wants for us. This morning, I know we've already had a, a general or a very specific altar call for those who felt called to the to, that you, God's spoken something for you to do and you've been resisting. Well, this morning, I want to give us an opportunity right here at the beginning of this year. This is why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning. Now, we do 21 days of prayer in August, but it's not fasting. It's feasting because we're going in. No, I'm only kidding. You can still fast if you want to. <laughs> but it's 20 way, 21 days of prayer and fasting is where we're separating ourselves. And we give to God, we, we give him the first part of our year saying, Father, what have I been doing or where have I been going and what have I been locked into or what's been locked into me that's keeping me from experiencing your best? Like I'm just doing, I, I, am I living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or am I living in the tree of life? There's a big difference. And this morning... I believe God's calling us out of that tree of good and evil and into this tree of life. And I want us to take just a minute, and I know I've gone over just a few moments. Y'all don't even know, that's a miracle right now, y'all. Jesus. But I need, I need us to do this as your pastor. I want us to take a moment and truly ask yourself, take a moment. What, I, what have I been relying on for my strength? Have I been going about my days and asking God to bless it? Inviting him into a situation. Hey, God, hey, I'm doing this. You just come bless this, okay? I'm just going to keep doing it. You just keep blessing me. Are we saying, God, am I doing what you really called me to do? 
And am I leaning in and am, am I staying open to what you're saying? Or have I locked myself in? Have I locked myself in saying, nope, this is all, this is as far as I'm willing to go? Because I believe God has so much more. God has so much more that He's wanting for us to accomplish here, not just in this city, but around the world. I don't know if you know it or not, but there's 15 missionaries right now that are all over the world that you support, that you right now are helping make it possible for the gospel to go out to India, to the Amazon, to many other places where God, to Russia right now, God is is moving all over the world and he's calling us to be a part. And this morning, I wonder if we could take just a moment, just like we did earlier, like David did, my hero, who was a messed up joker. David did some crazy stuff, y'all. David, not only did he take a man's wife, he did kill a giant, we like that one, but he took another man's wife, got her pregnant, and then tried to hide it and had, his, had her husband killed. He did that. And God still called him a man after his heart. Because even after he mixed up and he messed up and he did that, he wrote Psalms 51. And he realized, Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. He'll never, he'll never reject someone that says, God, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I want you to do this in me. And so this morning, is there anything you've been hanging on to? Is there anything that's been hanging on to you that won't let you go? That's keeping you, it's good, but it's not life. I want us to take just a moment. They're going to lead us. And I want to give you, you can be right there. I'm going to open up the altar this morning to make a step. To say, I'm leaving this spot where I am. I'm leaving this thing that has kept me. That there, There's all types of weak things we can repent for. We can repent for things we've said, but we also can repent for things we haven't said. So sin is not just me committing things. There's sins of omission. Like husbands, we can, for, we, we can say, God, forgive me for not telling my wife how incredible she is, how precious she is. How beautiful she is, how incredible, how smart, and how, how, man, I'm so thankful. So it's not just sins of what I have said, but it's what I haven't said. That I've withheld that from somebody to tell them, man, God's for you, God loves you. So it's not just things I've gone too far, I've allowed myself to do, but it's things I haven't allowed myself to do. Like I, 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 I kept myself from laying hands on somebody because I was fearful. It wouldn't happen. God, forgive us that we would not be at a place. Here, another one right here. This is one of the most powerful ones today. So here it is, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. And we got a little blurb in the bulletin. But this morning, so we have this big, ugly mess going on in in our world today where color seems to be a big issue. And all it is is because we look at this, this melanin 
and we judge people based on the color of their skin. And even though I wasn't back when, when segregation and all that was going on, but I still, today, I have to acknowledge, have I ever looked at somebody with a different color skin and thought, I'm better than, or they're worse than? I have to acknowledge that. I have to say, hey, have I ever done that? I can actually say, Father, forgive me as an individual, but forgive us as a nation that would ever do that to another human being. And so this morning, I want us to take just a moment. I'm going to open this altar if you would like to come and join me down here. Or if you just want to kneel right there at your seat. I want us to take a few moments and allow this turning, this churning. I want you to, to dive into the tension a little bit. I hope you felt a little uncomfortable that, that God's dealing with something and you're, he's wanting you to give up something so that you can have something better. He's wanting us to lay things down so that we pick the right things up. And I can't do both. I can't live in the tree of knowledge of good and evil and, and then also live in this tree of life. So I'm going to open the altars open right now. If you feel there's some things that you'd like to come lay down, that you'd feel like, hey, Pastor Mark, I, wanna, I don't want this in my life anymore. It could be a habit. It could be a hang-up. It could be something that you really, man, I need to get rid of this. 